Welcome to BCC in 3 Talk, your decentralized hub for all things Web3. From blockchains to cryptocurrencies to NFTs, we airdrop knowledge and analysis from industry insiders, journalists, and founders. I'm your host, Jason Rowlett, a writer and editor at BCCN3.com. Now, let's get on with today's show. Hey everyone, Jason Rowlett here, BCCN3 Talk. So glad to have you with us. You can catch our newsletter at bccn3.com and also follow us on our socials there. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know what you think. On this episode, I'm glad to have with us Jordan Bass of Bass Law. He is a crypto tax advisor. And uh, he's going to be sharing uh, his experience and knowledge uh, with uh, the world of crypto tax, and uh, which is especially at this time, coming to the end of the year, a lot of people, a lot of investors are looking at. So we want to bring you uh, his insight. Jordan, thank you so much for being with us. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Um, can you just begin by uh, telling our listeners kind of what services you provide and what uh, what it is that, that you kind of bring to the table as far as uh, investors that are looking to have uh, their crypto tax reported? Yes, yeah, certainly. So basically how this all started was back in around 2016, 2017. Um, I was, you know, a CPA that was invested into crypto. And obviously there were some gray area issues that we needed to figure out from a tax compliance standpoint. We had guidance, but we didn't have a lot of reporting, very, very, you know, a small amount under a thousand people probably were reporting digital asset tax um, matters on their 2015, 2016 returns. So I figured there was an area that people would need help. It started with me and my friends who were maybe a little bit early into the investment side on crypto starting in college. And then that turned into realizing that there was this huge, you know, community on Twitter, crypto Twitter community. And making connections there, trying to help people figure out what they needed to do from a tax compliance standpoint. And that started through my, my CPA firm. And that was while I was actually in law school becoming a lawyer, where I can now help and advise and guide people on the legal side from a tax compliance standpoint. But basically, it always is the same underlying issue for the individual when it comes to tax compliance. It's a understanding the tax implications of the transactions that they've executed or are trying to maybe planning for some uh, transaction in the future and B, okay, now that I understand how this is taxed, how do I actually get the data, obtain the information that I need, compile it in a manner that's, you know, the IRS wants to see it on these tax forms where they go. And that just got more complicated as the years went on. We went from having just centralized exchange transactions to on-chain transactions to ICOs then a lot of decentralized exchange transactions, cross-chain activity, and then, of course, the NFT boom that we saw in 2020, 2021. So the transactions have gotten more complicated, but the underlying issues always remain the same. It's obtaining the information, gathering in the information, making sure you have access to the data so that you can compile it, analyze it, and report it for tax purposes. And that's what we do on both the CPA and law firm side. There's just different, um, I would say, engagements that people need certain guidance, advice on the, from a legal standpoint, as opposed to going back in time and analyzing and accounting for all of the transactions that occurred um, 
you know, in a hindsight sort of analysis for tax filing purposes. Yeah. As far as uh, that, that reporting aspect of it, it does seem to be quite, uh, it, it can be confusing, I think, for crypto investors who are, you know, coming into this kind of for the, the first or second time, there's not a lot of experience to be had with this. And so uh, it, it's great to be uh, providing that advice. What, um, as far as the reporting aspect of it, is there uh, elements of, you know, disclosing your, your public wallet address? Is there, you know, official forms out there that uh, uh, investors can use to uh, prove? In other words, what does the IRS want to see exactly? So that's a very good question because the reality is we're not necessarily certain what needs to be disclosed on a tax return um, from like a wallet address perspective. We've never disclosed that. That's never been guide. There's never been guidance that's been released on that standpoint. But we've seen issues on an audit, right, where they want disclosure of which wallets are controlled by certain individuals and or entities. Um, and so that is where we kind of get into the area of disclosure, unless there is something that was previously reported on a tax return that was factually inaccurate. And you maybe want to disclose something to kind of true up what you've done from a from a crypto tax perspective. But even that, an amended return wouldn't necessarily come with a disclosure of wallet addresses, right? We may get something like that in the future, some sort of regulatory guidance or some sort of framework that requires that. But as of now, when you're filing and preparing a tax return and you fill out the data, whether it's on an 8949, which shows the statement of the activity of your digital assets, right? Whether that's just dumb, you know, tokens or NFTs, whatever you're trading or transacting with, or um, if you have income that you're generating from crypto activity where you're getting paid in crypto and you either show that on a business return or maybe on like a Schedule C, right? We're just reporting high level the actual U.S. dollar value of the income, the U.S. dollar value of the gross proceeds of the transaction, the U.S. dollar value of the cost basis. The description of the property, obviously the IRS needs to know what was being sold, but that doesn't necessarily come with the actual wallet address that's transacting. So if there are issues in terms of proving what the wallet address is for an individual, those probably would likely come with some sort of correspondence from the IRS as opposed to actually filing the return. It is also true that the IRS does have certain data from centralized exchanges. And if those centralized exchange accounts that you have that have been KYC'd properly and it's tied to your identity and social security number are interacting with wallet addresses constantly, maybe an assumption can be made that that wallet address belongs to an individual without having to prove that. And maybe that could work to the individual's detriment if that's a wallet that maybe they weren't disclosing the activity, which of course they should. But I'm just saying that is another way, another workaround of sorts for the IRS to potentially gain access to um, an understanding of an individual's accounts without them formally disclosing the public wallet address. So the disclosure, the disclosure issue usually comes into play, um, I would say, with an IRS correspondence possibly, or alternatively, if there's some sort of, you know, foreign, you know, disclosure that needs to be made with foreign accounts, which, again, we don't necessarily have guidance that would stipulate that's required as of now. In the future, possibly, but year to date, 2022 and prior years, that's not necessarily something that we deem to be a requirement. So 
the disclosure issues, um, I would say for an individual on the tax return are more so gathering the data, like we talked about earlier, making sure that you're aggregating it all, analyzing it, knowing what your capital gain and loss activity is, knowing what your yield that you've generated, if you have interest bearing assets or you're LPing and you're generating yield, knowing what that dollar amount is so that you can put that and report it in the proper places and be in good standing with the IRS. And if they have any questions, you know that you've done it correctly, you've done it accurately. And if there is a, a discrepancy, it would likely be immaterial to the point where you wouldn't have any issues with the IRS. Yeah, and it seems like, you know, being the blockchain what it is, uh, a transparent distributed ledger, that would certainly help uh, with proving anything that was comes into question. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's these transactions aren't going anywhere. They're there. They occurred. Um, obviously, people have and continue to still use, you know, maybe mixers or privacy tokens and, and things of that nature. But even so, there has if you're going to off ramp any of your your digital assets into fiat currency, there has to be that off ramp of sorts to your bank account. And from there, there might be a gap in the transaction history. Um, but it's not going to be in anyone's best interest to fail to disclose these transactions long term as the IRS gets more sophisticated with third parties that they've contracted with to track and trace the data or even do it internally. Obviously, they have they're undermanned, right, in terms of where they've been, they're hiring a lot more. And they're increasing the amount of the task force and the agency, um, and the amount of agents they have. But still, this area of taxes is more so going to be framed, in my opinion, from like the regulatory standpoint, as opposed to the enforcement standpoint at first, and then the enforcement will come subsequent to that. Um, and nobody wants to be dealing with things two, three, four years down the line. Um, it's just not a nice, it's not a good thing to have to stress out about number one. And number two, um, if you are planning properly and you generate a bunch of income and you generate a bunch of yield and you've made, you know, we've seen it happen many times in crypto life-changing money. And why would you want to put yourself in that position to not plan structure, obviously minimize that liability to the least amount that you're legally required to pay, but get it done the right way. That's ironclad, so you don't have to stress about that um, at all. There's obviously year-end issues that come into play. People play the the game where, like, at the end of last year, they're, we're entering the exit of the bull run. We're entering into a bearish phase. We're holding on to assets that have appreciated, and we traded into those assets and triggered a lot of gain along the way. And now our portfolio is underwater, and maybe our tax liability that we've generated is more than what the value of the assets are. We saw that a lot in 1718, and we're seeing that again in 2122. It's not a good situation, um, but that doesn't mean that you should do something aggressive to the point where it's not legal, obviously. So that's where we come in and try to navigate that for the clients when they get themselves into a pickle. Um, we want to make sure that we can help or before that would ever happen, give them the data, give them the analysis so that they can make these decisions along the way. So they know they're reserving the amount of, you know, you know, capital that they need for taxes. Maybe they're making quarterly payments. Maybe they're arbitraging the IRS interest, but they know they have the money available. There are a lot of things that happened in 2022 that caused plenty plans, tax plans to kind of fail, of course, um, Luna, Voyager, Celsius, and then of course, FTX, like we, we know, and there's more, but we know what, what has happened in the space. Um, so you just want to, you know, make sure that you can avoid that if possible. And if not, we have to come up with a plan to, 
fix those issues. But it's very, very difficult navigating this space from a tax perspective because things change constantly. As, as I mentioned, 2015, 2016 transactions, those are to what we're doing today wouldn't have even been thought of then maybe planned and thought, Oh, this could be the future on chain transactions on chain loans. And sure that was a theory, but now it's been executed and the pace in which we're moving is so fast. It's hard to keep up from a tax perspective. Yeah. The 2022 has been so unique in so many ways and uh, especially contrasted with last year, the bull run and uh, Bitcoin being uh at its highest peak and the NFT market being so hot. And now you've got collapse after collapse of exchange after exchange, coin after coin, so many things happening, putting investors in a real bind. Um, as far as uh, the, the uniqueness of 2022 and, and what's happened, kind of notwithstanding, what sort of general pitfalls um, do crypto investors need to be aware of uh, as far as maybe reporting, or uh, what do they need to disclose? What do you find in your experience um, crypto investors may commonly get tripped up with? Got it. So great question, because at the end of the day, what just recently happened highlights an extreme area of importance for digital asset investors on the data side. You have an exchange that might go under Right. Let's say this in this case was the bit one of the biggest things that we've seen ever in the crypto space, for sure. Actually, the biggest this happened before. Right. I remember 2017, 2018, we had a lot of clients that had funds on Cryptopia and Cryptopia went under and we had no access to the data from those transactions because it was closed in house. It's not on chain. We need to get the data from them um, and it's gone. Same thing happens with FTX in theory, right? You can't get access to the exchange. Maybe at some point we'll get access to the historical data, but for the people that weren't, whether they were scraping the data with an API, like in an ongoing manner, or they were actually pulling the raw data files, if you don't have access to that historical data, it's very hard to prove up what happened. Now, that is a huge issue for people, but it's not just with centralized exchanges. Of course, that's more important to get that information in an, on an ongoing basis because anything could happen or you could get locked out of the account or you could lose your two-factor authentication or whatever happens, you don't get access to it and they won't send you the historical data. How are you going to account for those transactions? But another big thing that happens um, is people failing to remember or write down or log all of the wallets that they've used. Because if you're going to do an internal reconciliation of the activity and you're missing wallets, now you're missing basis you're going to have transactions where you're selling something that's coming from a wallet that we're not tracking. And it looks like it was either gifted to you or just sent to you. Was it a loan? Was it a gift? Was this coming from another wallet of yours? It elongates the process. It makes it more difficult to finalize and complete the reconciliation. And then ultimately, if there's something that's exigent that you need to make a decision on, you won't have all of the data points and you can be given advice based on what we have, but it's not complete. And sometimes that happens. So the biggest, most important thing, which I think we've seen in 2022, it's been exacerbated, but it's not just with centralized exchanges, is maintaining access to all of that data and having it so that if you do need to show and complete an analysis for tax filing purposes, it's there. It's not like, oh, well, we need to plug these types of transactions and maybe impute all of these trades because, which is very difficult to do and may be hard to prove because we have all of the data. 
So I think 2022 has shown that from a tax filing perspective, everyone being on top of their their stuff with with respect to the, the historical data is crucial. There will be people that have issues because of this guaranteed. Um, and it's not fun because what's going to happen is it's going to take more time to actually finalize these analyses, which ultimately will cost more money or more of the client's precious, or if it's not, if it's not a client, if it's just an individual trying to do it themselves in a DIY manner, more of their precious time, more frustration, more anxiety, it's just not worth it. So I think that's, that's number one, for sure. But number two, um, getting back to maybe not necessarily something that people have learned, but something that people can learn for the new entrance to the market in 2020 and 2021, is that there's a great opportunity here to harvest losses close to the end of this year, where we've seen people buy assets that were substantially appreciated. They've gone down. I know I'm not over-exaggerating, 90, 95%, maybe more. Sometimes people still are bullish on those projects, but most of the time they're not, and they're just sitting in their wallet. They actually need to trigger a taxable event to recognize that loss in a um, clean manner. Maybe you can write that off as worthless, possibly, but they're not securities, so it's not a worthless security. You could take the position that it's analogous to that, but it's not really. So sending that, selling that, whether you're sending it to a burn address, maybe and abandoning the property, or if you're selling it for a 99% loss, you can harvest these losses and they will help you offset some of the income that or the capital gains that you may have had earlier in the year, which people still were generating profits in January. For sure, they were taking profits, definitely. So that's something to, to make sure you're on top of. It won't help you for the stuff that you had in 2021, but it can help you in 22. And if you don't have enough gain that if you're, let's say you had, I don't know, $20,000 of net gain and $125,000 of loss, the excess loss will carry forward after you get a little bit of deduction from your ordinary income. So it's definitely a great exercise to do. Now, in addition to that, if you do believe in a project, a project that's underwater and maybe it's down 40, 50, 75%, which is again, something that's very likely to happen. Um, even, you know, Ethereum's down close to 60 years, 70%. You can sell a tranche of those assets, recognize the loss and buy that back without having to wait that 30 day period with the wash sale that you have with securities, because we don't necessarily have that with digital assets that was trying, they were trying to implement that for 2022. It didn't pass. Um, it hasn't passed yet. So you in theory could buy it and you could sell it and buy it back. I would say you should wait a period of time, not 30 days, obviously, but you don't want it to be looked at as like an abusive transaction that would violate the economic substance doctrine, which is something that we don't have to talk about. Listeners could look into that, but it is a good opportunity to sell something for a loss and purchase it back, resetting your overall basis. Now it will impact your holding pattern, right? You might've had a long-term tranche asset that you sell, and now it's one day old in terms of getting to that 365 day period to be long-term. But if you're bullish long-term anyway, that shouldn't be an issue. So I think there's two huge things, there's more, but there are two huge things that I think people have learned or can learn in 2022. It's making sure you have access to your data at all times making sure that you're keeping a log of the transaction, the wallets that you're using cross chain. It doesn't just have to be an EVM compatible chain, you know, all, all, everything, everything that we see, um, Solana, any Cosmos stuff, um, anything, even, you know, your Bitcoin addresses, whatever. Um, and then most importantly, making sure that you're 
taking advantage of the opportunity to generate those losses, even though it's not fun to generate losses, so that you could either utilize them to offset what you've already done in the beginning of this year where you might have had gains, or maybe you have some stock gains that you're trying to offset, or maybe a sale of something like a property, rental property, who knows, that you want to offset, that can be done. And also know that you can purchase that asset back and you don't necessarily have to wait that for that 31-day window. Yeah, and I think you've touched on this. Um, it, it, investors and listeners might be curious, uh, with the downfall of FTX and people not being able to realize the yield that maybe they made because uh, they can't get the money out, um, yet they made a profit, but they, they haven't realized it. They haven't uh, put it back onto their wallet. So is there some responsibility there to pay a tax on, on what is on the blockchain as a profit, but yet it was not in the yield, it was not yielded into the investor's wallet. I hope I'm making sense. Um, there, no, you're, you're just, definitely it making puts sense. them in that pickle that you were talking about. And uh, how, how would how would investors kind of <laughs> address that? I know it's it's an it's a terrible, terrible situation yeah. when and this is why I've always been so bullish on self-custody, yeah. even if you trans and of course, FTX, who would have thought? Yeah. I mean, maybe there were signs for sure. There probably were in hindsight, but you could say that about anything. You probably don't want to be custodying assets on a centralized exchange. But if you're have if you have like US dollars sitting in FTX US or for people that use FTX International and you're just waiting and you're timing the market like you're out, you're not necessarily in stables, you're actually in USD and you're like, oh, I know it's not insured, but I want to be able to pounce because we can see a 20% dip in one day and I just want to have my funds ready to do that or I've set orders that I want to have, you know, hit when that time comes. You might get into this issue, which which um, you just talked about, Jason. And the reality is, you have all of this income that you've generated. The IRS position would probably be okay. Well, you have all this income that you generated, but you haven't paid tax yet. You probably should have been paying either a quarterly or b. You should have already paid your twenty twenty one taxes by the time this happened. So there's there might not be as much leniency as people think. Now the good part. It's not good, but the good part is there is a potential for losses to be recognized from funds that were stuck there. The problem is with that, you know, silver lining is it can take a very long time for these bankruptcy proceedings to go through and, and you know, be seen through years. And theoretically, people may have a claim into this bankruptcy. Um, they have might they might have a claim for, you know, value for this bankruptcy proceeding and that means that those assets aren't really worthless, right? There's no there's no real way that you could write them off. There, You can take certain positions and maybe be more aggressive and say, well, I don't have the money. They were like borrowing my money because that's effectively what they were doing, even though their terms maybe wouldn't stipulate that. Um, and so it's not a good situation to be because you want to actually see what's going to happen with this bankruptcy proceeding. And that could take a long, long time. So in theory, people have income that they've generated. They timed the market beautifully. They kept some stables or USD in FTX because they were waiting to purchase something or buy like Ethereum if it were to crash to $750 or whatever. And now they have all these gains. They don't have the money. 
there probably is a way, right, that there could be some sort of communication with the IRS. It's not like they're going to come after these people and request all of the money all at once. Maybe an installment agreement comes into play. Maybe there's a hold on penalties and interest accumulating. Maybe there's some sort of, like I said, negotiation that can go on. But ultimately, for the activity that occurred prior to that, there was, you know, income that was generated. Uh, and if you do get access to those funds at some period in time, a large portion of that will be going to paying tax. If there's never going to be access to those funds, of course, and this person has generated a huge tax liability, but they literally don't have any money to pay the tax because they're in this terrible situation, which probably has happened to many, many people in the US and abroad. But again, not an expert in those other jurisdictions. Most likely, there would be some sort of offer and compromise where the individual can clear the debt. Um, and it's not a good situation because, yeah, they don't have the tax debt, but they also don't have their you know, 10x, 30x, 50x that they did over the course of 2021 to be able to pull from. And like they thought they made all this money and they have you know, plans and expectations and everything changes all at once. So there's no real answer to this question of like what they can do for 2022. They could either take the position and, and write it off, but I don't think that's necessarily a valid tax position, right? Or they can, what most people would probably advise and what I would advise is wait and see what's going to happen with this bankruptcy proceeding. Maybe FTX US does get withdrawal capability back. Maybe they can pull funds. Who knows? I'm not sure. Um, but it obviously doesn't look promising. And it's a very, very similar situation to what we saw with people earlier in the year with Celsius and Voyager, where there was like a, this sort of wait and see approach. Um, and that's just the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully many people, hopefully everyone has, uh, learned about the dangers of centralized, uh, exchanges, um, especially that are not quote unquote regulated. Um, well, that's another discussion, but it's, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's definitely been a learning process for so many people. And unfortunately it's been extremely costly. Um, Jordan Bass, uh, is there anything else you'd like to uh, lay on our listeners uh, before we let you go? Um, where we can find you, uh, maybe your socials, your website? Sure. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not as active right now toward year-end tax planning, but you can find me on crypto Twitter. Taxing Crypto is the handle. Um, TaxingCryptocurrency.com is CPA firm Taxing Crypto. And BassLaw.io is where the law firm is housed. I do think that the marketing team is redoing the website, so it might just be a landing page at the current moment. But you could find me there. You could reach out to me on Twitter. I'm pretty active. Discord, um, Telegram, email if you want. That's fine. Email addresses are available on socials. I would say reach out if you have a question. I would love to help every single person that I can. Obviously, there's a limitation in the capacity that we can you know, have. Um, advisory services and or tax filing and tax prep services, which we offer. Um, and that's fine. Please reach out if you have any pointed questions for you specifically, we can try to figure out if there's a way that there's something that we can do. And what I would say to everybody is even if it's not myself or the firm, if you need crypto tax specific guidance and you have a tax professional that you maybe you've worked with for many years or your family has worked with for many years and they're not crypto native or they're not necessarily specialist in the space and you have a different language that you speak 
please reach out and find somebody that you can use, even if it's just like a third party that you get your crypto activity handled from, but you do the tax filing and the tax prep services with that same individual who's not crypto native, please reach out to those individuals, try to get their help. There are many, many great and talented tax professionals, whether they're attorneys or CPAs or enrolled agents or just accountants in this space that can provide that help. And if you're struggling doing it on a DIY manner with some of the softwares like CoinLedger, which is a software company that I advise, or some of the other competitors, don't waste your time and stress out. It is worth it to just hire somebody to help you do it. Um, and ultimately, it will result in saving you a lot of time, a lot of money, and a huge headache. You don't understand how many people we've seen come to us that have had their traditional tax preparer file their return and not even disclose that the individual had crypto in like 2020 or 2021 and it becomes a headache and you don't want that headache. So again, whether it's our firm or anybody else, and there's so many great people in this space that specialize in tax, please reach out to them. If you can talk to them before the end of the year, that would be great. If not, at least early in the year before they close off onboarding new clients, because it will really add a lot of value to your tax situation. So that's all I got. Absolutely. Jordan Bass of Bass Law, thank you so much for uh, all the great advice and uh, experience and knowledge you've given us here. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, Jason. All right, Token fans, we will see you here next time on BCC in 3 Talk. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on Twitter at BCCN3 underscore media and subscribe to our newsletter at BCCN3.com. From our website, you can also join in the conversation in our Discord channel and Reddit page. And we will see you here next time on BCCN3 Talk.